He's camping us down, folks, so I guess welcome to another episode of Missouri Swagger. Uh, it's episode seven, I believe. It feels, like episode nine. it feels like episode nine because we've had to stop our recording three times so far. That's true. And Colin's about to tell the same joke he's told three times now. <laughs> it's still funny. Do it. Hit it. Hit it. It's Dennis Hopeless and Cullen Bunn, two comic book writers. Yes. We have dozens of titles between us, and yet Dennis cannot afford all the buttons on his shirt. <laughs> and still, they're there. I've just chosen not to button them because I've been at the lake for five days, and this is a this is my comfortable lake gear. I went to the Lake of the Ozarks. It's a fine Missouri attraction. Uh, you might know it from the Jason Bateman show that the people of the Ozarks are not proud of. Valerie's um, I mean, family? Not that one. Oh. No, it's called Ozark. It's actually a really good show. It's uh, sort of um, Breaking Bad a Jace, but it's set at the Ozarks. It's about money laundering and white trash criminality. Um, but yeah, the, the people who live there do not like that as a frame of reference. They make it clear that that is not how things are, and they also will tell you that Party Cove is not what it once was. I heard that about ten times. Party Cove is a place right. You're right. Partying? None of that for I mean, none of that for well, me. I might I might tell my Party Cove story as a, my Missouri Swagger story. At the end I don't of the episode, know but. if it's the one you were telling me earlier. You may want to <laughs> you may want to read that. It, it doesn't make me look good. Um, but yeah, no, we uh, that is a, a place where a bunch of boats tie up together and people get very drunk and silly. But yeah, apparently at some point in the recent past, it was much more impressive than it is now, according to everyone over 40 who talks about Party Cove. All right, well, I'm glad you had fun. Everybody it was, was a vacation. It was, it was a grand time. It's beautiful down there. That's awesome. This, this call almost didn't happen uh, right before this, we started recording. Uh, my son's school called to ask where he was. And uh, I dropped him off this morning, walk, watched him go in the side of the school, so I was in a total panic not uh, half hour ago. I was, uh, I was in a full panicked, drenched in sweat mode because I thought my did son they, was missing. Did they find him? They did find him, but uh, there was a good 10, 10 minutes when I was waiting on calls that uh, they didn't. They, they, I called the school and I said, where's my kid? And they said, you know what, we'll go look for him. If we don't call you back, that means we found him. And I was like, no, no, <laughs> that doesn't work for me. <laughs> you call me regardless. You call me back whether you find him. I mean, yeah. I, I was already in the car driving to the school to go on a search, but uh, they found him. He's fine. But uh, if I seem a little uh, more jittery than uh, than usual, it's because my son is. My, I was terrified for that my son was missing. Uh, you're cool as a cucumber, as per usual. Awesome. All right, so, uh, Dennis, today we are going to do questions. Questions uh-huh. from our, our dozens of fans. The laziest topic we could come up with. But I've got headphones on. Listen, I've got headphones on. I, as far as I know, I'm in the correct Skype mode, and I have a microphone. It's a real microphone. Everyone thinks I have some sort of trash microphone, but Kevin Mellon gave me what at least appears to be a real microphone. So... This is the best we can do at the moment. All right. Well, let's just uh, let's just jump right into it. All right. All right. Um, very topical question here uh, from uh, at strictly worse at Twitter. Um, is Dennis's bad audio just part of the fun? <laughs> I mean, at the moment, yes. Look, look, Cole and I have planned on doing this doing a show for almost a year, like a good long while we've been talking about it and planning how we're going to do it. 
And it became obvious that if we didn't just turn on a camera and throw the damn thing online, we were never going to actually do it. So what we're doing is finding our sea legs live and in color for you people. And one of those things is I have no technical expertise. I didn't have a microphone to begin with. I've sounded bad on every podcast I've ever been a guest on. So I think that we'll get there and we'll make the adjustments. It's just we're kind of making them slow as we go along. So, yes, for now, the low fidelity of this broadcast is meant to be funny. And eventually, you know, it'll be like when you go back and look at your favorite uh, web comic and back when, before the person figured out how to draw the characters. That's it'll, what this. It'll be nothing like that. Eventually, I'm just going to ditch you, and <laughs> it'll just be me. Well, that'll be a better show. It will be. And then you can just do hopeless cast without my face laughing, or you read one. That's right. All right. Uh, next question. We got another good one here. Um, at Comic Book Yeti asks us. What are the questions you wish interviewers would ask, but they never do? Where's your button, Dennis? That's what I would ask. That's what I wish people would ask you. Where's your button? Where's your damn button? I don't know that I would like answering questions enough to think of questions I'd like to people to ask me. That's a great attitude on the question and answer uh, portion of our show. I'm weird, too. Like, I love my job. I like talking about my job on some level, but nothing in life makes me more uncomfortable than when someone, like a stranger, just out in public, asks me what I do, because then I know they're going to be interested and I'm going to have to talk about it, and I don't have, like, prepared answers for it. So, like, I like talking about in-depth story questions or answering questions about the genesis of a of a certain arc or like what characters I like, like the kind of questions we're going to get on here. I like, but if like just some guy at a bar finds out I write comics and start asking me questions, I want to leave that bar immediately. So, uh, in a lot of ways, I feel like my favorite question would be fewer questions. Interesting. But you, all right, that's it for the show then. We're done. What about you? <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I want to say that that answer was the most narcissistic answer I've ever heard. I hate when people <laughs> ask me about my job because I know they're going to be very interested. <laughs> What, I mean, listen, we live in Missouri. If you, and when you go to L.A., nobody gives a rat's ass. Like if they can find out that they, you're in comics, they're like, okay, and then it's over with. But in the middle of the country, most people don't have creative jobs, and they are excited when they meet someone who does. Like I, when I meet parents um, from my kids' school, like parents of my kids' friends, they're always super excited to talk about my job. And I am not. We have uh, vastly different experiences with people's interest in our careers then. Because, really? Yes, no one's ever interested. In Springfield, Missouri, people are like, oh, hold on, Colin. I think you just talk too much, so everyone's sick of fucking hearing it. I think that's what the answer is. Hmm. All right, Dennis. All right. Yeah. I'm glad your audio sucks. All right. Uh, uh, I don't know what I would want people to ask me. Uh, no one ever asked me about my job before comic books, and uh, I wish people would talk about that a little bit more. Um, I mean, not not ad nauseum, but I I was pretty good at my job, and uh, I worked in you know I worked in marketing and uh, and sales before uh, I became a, a comic book a full time comic book creator. But I was also like in charge of running all our meetings, making sure everybody all you know m- running all the special projects, and I was really good at that job. And sometimes I regret that uh, no one. Uh, no one admires me the way they should for how uh, how good I was as a, a project manager and a, a team facilitator and a marketing manager. 
And somehow my fucking answer was narcissistic. No, you no, want them to no. talk to you about your corporate job? Look, Dennis, I'm not saying that I'm not narcissistic. I'm saying that you shouldn't be. <laughs> I'm not good enough. Alright, next question. Moving, moving right along. Alright. Um, hey, this one comes from at Cindy Bunn. And she says, here's a question that she received from an anonymous source. They asked, Cullen, how did you end up with such an awesome wife? She's the bee's knees. I agree. I do agree uh, she is the bee's knees. I swiped right when I should have swiped right. That's all I can say. Well, you, you, you guys really, you really met on, that would have been early, right? Early, <laughs> early no, on Monday. There was no tender when we met, so... Uh, I just, you know, I got very, very lucky, and I thank, uh, I thank the heavens every day. Uh, so that anonymous question that you received, Cindy, uh, that's the the answer. Is I thank the heavens every day, and I just got very lucky. Where did you meet? Why didn't you actually answer the question? Because it's nobody's How business. How did you meet? It's nobody's business. Were you, was, it, was it a church potluck? Was it, it in the was, basement? It was a church pot potluck, Dennis. <laughs> Okay. Uh, we met. We met. All right. Here we go. Back to the narcissism. Uh, we met at a birthday party that I threw for myself. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so, did the invitations tell tell your friends to bring single women? Yes. With them? Yes. In fact, they did. So there you go. It worked out great. That's right. Well done. Yeah. Well executed. Now right. that last question came from someone who loves me. This question comes from someone who loves you. At Jude Tara asks the following: If Missouri Swagger were pro, a pro wrestling team, which of you would be most likely to turn on the other, and what foreign object would you use to attack your former partner? The answer is definitely you. You're one of the meanest people that I've ever met, and you're—I feel like centimeters away from attacking me at all times. I'm drinking kombucha tea, though it mellows me out. So, what would you hit me with? I would hit you uh, with the Bleeding Cool website because they attack you so much anyway. So. Just all the time. Yeah, Jutera has a running gag in his columns about other things revolving around us, about how I am not good enough to be on this show with you, which is very strange because I'm obviously too good to be on this show with you, and it's, it's like a charity act for me to be here. Yes. Uh, I would agree, though. I would turn on you, um, and, uh, yeah, I would hit you with Bleeding Cool. Like a laptop? Yeah, I mean, Desktop? I guess I have to. It has to be on a laptop, right? I just right, hit fair. you with, with, with Jude Terra. I just swing it <laughs> and hit you. And then right, he, could write a, he could write an awesome story about uh, how awesome I am. Although he never writes that either. He just writes how terrible we are. I am. We are, all of us are. I am our show. He doesn't like our show. He apparently watches it and wants to have questions answered on it. Well, him. he does want to have questions. So there you go, Jude. Um, I've known that guy for. I mean, I've never. I don't think I've ever met Jude, but I've known him for many years when he was with uh, the Outhousers, um, and then sold out and became a bleeding cool flunky. Okay, I have a question. This right. one was sent to me. Let's do it from Anonymous. Why is Dick so awesome? Have you ever thought of writing a story based around a tow truck crucifix? <laughs> All right, now I know. <laughs> That's uh, I knew my wife was texting somebody this morning, and I didn't know who she was texting. Now I know who she was texting. Uh, yes, uh, every have you ever thought of that, Dennis? Yes, every time I'm behind one, I think it's like crazy 
that there's a cross on the back of a tow truck. My, my it's a big, uh, people don't know what the fuck we're talking about. There's a big metal, it looks like a metal crucifix that is on the back of a tow truck when there's not a, when there's not a car being towed and it drops down and goes underneath the car and lifts the car up. It's like one of the kind that, that pulls the car up at an angle and drags it. But when that, when that truck is just driving out without a car on it, it's got a massive metal crucifix that would be the perfect size for crucifying a human propped up on the back. So I knew exactly what she was talking about. Yeah, she has long wanted me to write a story about a serial killer who mounts people on that uh, crucifix-like object. So uh, I was wondering who she was. Why won't you? I was. I, I don't know. I guess I should. I was wondering uh, what strange man she was texting this morning, and now I know. So, it was me. Great. I'm actually very disappointed in her. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's see. That was Jude's question. Uh, oh, here's one from at Matt Leggetti. Uh, Cullen, have you ever wanted to wear a blazer and pretend to be Brian K. Vaughn at conventions? No, but I have wanted to wear a blazer and pretend to be Brian K. Vaughn at his bank and withdraw money from his account because I think that would be fun for me. Actually, I think Brian, I, I think Brian K. Vaughn's a lot more uh, fit than I am, and I mean I'm obviously the be- the better looking of the two, but I think I met him. At the first New York Comic Con, so that was many moons ago, but that's the last time I've seen him. Yeah, because he's like, I don't need this business anymore. He's like, I'm done with it. He's certainly not willing to meet the likes of me. He's certainly not doing a Missouri Swagger video channel. Not yeah, just wait, just you wait. <laughs> we are going to be trendsetters. All right, if you say so. Um, all right, at Council of Caleb asks both of us. Both of you gents are parents now, but historically you've written more mature titles. Do you now write with the next generation in mind? Do you think you'll write something directly geared towards your kids? Uh, and how will you try to instill the love of the medium in them? You want to go with that one, Dennis? You want to take that one first? I suspect that my children will hate comic books. They like it now. Like They, like, they don't read yet. My kids aren't even four yet, so they don't read. But they like to flip through the comic books uh, in the back of my car, which like the cleanest thing I can give them, because all I have in paper form is Hellboy comics and uh, Saga, so I can't really give them Saga. Um, and Jasmine gave me a bunch of Lion Forge stuff, which is what I've replaced Hellboy with. And that's a lot more. Uh, that stuff is more age appropriate. But yeah, for a while my kid was looking at the red guy, which is Hellboy, um, and then I would take them away if someone got disemboweled or something. Right. Um, they like them now, but I think because it's what we do for a living, once they hit a certain age that's boring and mundane, it's like Dad's thing. Um, I don't know, have you experienced that? Was yeah, my son has no interest in comic books. He's not, uh, he's not into it. He likes the idea that some comic books are worth money and that he can collect comic books and sell them. Therefore, he's not in any of mine because none of mine are worth money. But, uh, but, uh, but he doesn't want to read them. And I mean, I've tried to, I've tried to have him read, you know, comics. He just, he just doesn't get into it. Um, right now, he's reading a book called "The Last Kids on Earth," which is a prose book, but kind of mixes some comic stuff in there. Uh, and he's read like the Captain Underpants books and things like that, which have a lot of comic elements to, you know, comic book elements. But he's not, um, he's not a huge fan. Um, I have, I have written books for kids. I mean, I, I did a book for Only Press called Terrible Lizard, which was a, a kids' book 
Uh, I've written prose books for kids, Crooked Hills, which is, I guess is out of print right now, but is a horror novel for kids that's set in the Ozarks. Um, and then uh, uh, I've got another uh, kids horror comic that I can't really talk about too much that's coming out at some point soon. Um, and I have a book. My big creator-owned launch of next year is about... 50% a kid's comic and 50% something else. I'm co-writing it 50% with porn. Friend. No, it's but it's it's got a it's got a tone shift thing. I'm not gonna it's not announced yet, so I can't talk about it, but that will be the most um kid-oriented thing I think that I've ever done. I've considered it because you know, yeah, my stuff doesn't appeal to them at all. Um right. because of the, the kind of tone that I've written. And I watch having little kids, you watch a lot of really bizarre skewed for younger audiences television like i've watched a great deal of bubble guppies and paw patrol and rescue bots and things and my, what my mind does is takes the worlds of those that show but the, the worlds those shows take place in and tries to extrapolate out some sort of sense because like bubble guppies for instance takes place underwater but there's squirrels and trees and monster trucks and things that don't make much sense and i have bubble guppies it's been around for a while <laughs> I've created an entire uh, like cast system that exists because the bubble guppies, the kids in the preschool are the only mermaid people that we see, and everybody else is crustacean. So I think no, the mer Mr. people Grouper's are the, a fish. True, true. But I think the mer I think that the mer people are the ruling class, and that's why we never see the adults and the the underclasses are the crustaceans and the fish, and they're tasked with taking care of these people that will one day rule them. And that's why when they go to the monster truck pool, the kids. Or monster truck rally tractor pull. It's a rally. A rally. It's a, rally. It's yes. a tractor pull. When they, when they, that, that's why they're allowed to get in the monster truck because these kids can do whatever the fuck they want because they're you know their parents will kill and eat everyone otherwise. Um, right. Fair but that is not explicitly stated in the show, but that's what I get from it. Um, same thing with uh, Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol is a takes place in a city where the mayor calls a young boy and his talented dogs to take care of every single situation that comes up. And you do know that, 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 that Jude Terra character. has already written about you talking about Paw Patrol on the show, and now you are just giving him ammunition. I don't care. <laughs> I look, I, I've said this on Twitter before. I have tried to impress Jude Terra for long enough, and I've given up. Right. I'm never going to impress that man. That's fine. You're just one car, one kid's cartoon away. I feel like. All right. Are we rescue bots? No, don't do rescue bots. All right. Next question. Um. Uh, from Ron Barr three sixteen Ronnie Barron, who helps us with our uh, getting our podcast version of this show out there. Uh, first of all, thank you, Ronnie. Uh, do you guys care if readers read digitally versus print? Or who cares as long as they read your stuff? And then each of you, oh, and I don't know if I know this one, each of you give an example of a Missouri word or term that isn't used anywhere. Holy cow. I don't know if I know the answer to that one, Ronnie. All right. Anyway, do you care, Dennis, if they read digitally or in print? No, obviously. I don't care at all. I want people to read my stuff. We get royalties from either way. Um, I'm currently doing Cloak and Dagger, which is digital first, so the books only come out digitally. And from my perspective... Other than the fact that two and three issues come out at a time, so I can kind of tie the stories together a little bit more over the over the twenty pages, it's the same. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, I don't care either. I want people to read the books as long as you know. The only thing I don't like is when people like illegally scan them in and post them on the internet. 
Right. Um, but uh, yeah, if you're if you're buying the book or or I don't care, however how how you choose to read it, I'm just glad you're reading it. So thanks. And I can give you I can I don't know these are not Missouri words, but they're my family words. Uh, my mother and her and my grandmother when when my mom was a child called the heat ducts in the ground heat holes to the, where the warm air came up. Uh, when I was a kid, we called the remote control the TV box. Nice. And my dad, when we were going around a corner sharply as a child and he wanted us to hang on, would say, uh, hang on tight to your Bodak sack. I don't know what that is. Bodak sack? Well, I don't, <laughs> yeah. know, I don't know what it is either, but I'm going to use it from now on. And you should give us what your dad would say to... A pretty girl? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. Is a, and this isn't a Missouri term, but it is what my dad would say, and I've told Dennis many times that uh, that if ever you want to impress a lady, that all you have to do is to say what my dad would say, and he would say to these ladies, "Cause tre la de da," and he swears that that's all you need to win a woman over. So there you go. I, Try that out. I'm pretty confident I've never once impressed a lady. Number one. And number two, no lady you ever told that story to agreed with him. Well, uh, maybe that's because they didn't want to admit it. Try cuz tre la de da sometimes, folks, and then get back to us with your results. If you could record you doing it, like a video, mm. we'll post the videos on Missouri Swagger because I think that would be awesome. Cuz tre la de da. I think we should not. That is terrible. But you got to say. Because that could be catcalling. No, it's not. You're not catcalling. You're walking up. You're actually speaking to the person. You're saying to them, you're looking yeah, at Yeah, to her. a woman that does not want you to say a weird thing to her. Is she's talking to you already? That doesn't work? Okay, well, she's in the middle of a conversation. Okay. Right. I'm just afraid we're going to send people off to harass strangers, and that's a bad idea. Dennis, no, yes, please. No one harass strangers. Please don't harass people with cuz tre la da But let's say you're Dennis. You're out in public. Someone asks what you do for a living. You say, hey, I'm a comic book writer. And they're obviously enraptured by you instantly. And they're talking to you, and they're just, they're just, they're hanging on your every word. Then you hit them with a, cuz, tre la de da. But you gotta say it that way. If you can't do it that way, forget it anyway. But please don't harass people. I take it back. Don't say, Terra, please don't say I'm <laughs> encouraging people to harass people. That was a dumb idea, I guess. Unless you're Dennis. Alright, oh. moving on. Uh, if you could work on, oh, uh, Bdon Smith eighty eight, which sounds that's Brandon Smith, but his username sounds like a porn name. Uh, if you could work on something DC related, what would you both like to work on? Go, Dennis. My favorite character from childhood uh, is Guy Gardner because I got when I was a little kid. I read uh, Justice League International, and I love Guy Gardner. Uh, I have I was Guy Gardner for Halloween once. I could give you a photo to put on the video of me as Guy Gardner. Please Uh, give me that photo yet again. I need all the photos of you in cosplay. So my answer has always been Guy Gardner. Although now that I write comics and have learned that oftentimes my favorite characters to write are the ones I was the least familiar with. Um, that might not play out, but yeah, I guess Guy Gardner is the easiest answer. Alright, that's good. Uh, mine would be Swamp Thing. Uh, actually, today, as of this recording, the Suicide Annual that I wrote came out and featured Swamp Thing in a big way. Uh, but I'd like to do more Swamp Thing. I'd like to do an ongoing Swamp Thing series. So there you go. Alright. Go buy Suicide Squad Annual. 
All right, we got a couple more qu- time for a couple more questions before your Missouri Swagger story, Dennis. Um, comps. Uh, so too many hobbies at too many hobbies asked us comps. What are they? Why are they? Where are they? And do you get the ratio variance? Uh, no, I get. Well, it depends. Boom, for instance, on WWE, Boom sends me one copy of every variant and like four or five of the regular cover, um, which is awesome because I sell those at cons and they're a good pe- good way to get people to my table because they're like awesome illustrations of wrestlers from the past, present, and future. Uh, whereas Marvel, I don't get any variants. I get four copies of the trade, four copies of the single issues, and one copy of any hardcover, and that is all. And then what they are is physical copies of your work that are sent to you. I mean, I guess just to have. Like, the best thing to use them for, especially early in your career, is to send to editors to make them familiar with your work. Because you have, you know, the free copies of your work to be like, hey, this is what I do, I'd like to work, you know, whatever. Um, At this point, since we are so comic book famous that everyone knows our work and is thrilled to work with us, um, we are able to like decoupage them onto things in our homes so that we can have our comic books on like an end table or a sweet tea pitcher. That's right. Um, yeah, and as far as I think it's, uh, you know, I get, you know, I think the comps come at random intervals, right? Like sometimes you get them the week before the comic comes out, sometimes you get them the week after the comic comes out. Uh, usually, you know, it depends on the publisher. Uh, it could be anywhere from, you know, like, if it's like Marvel or DC, you're usually going to get a handful, five to ten copies. If it's creator-owned, you usually get a lot more. You could get, you know, 25, 50 copies. Um, and as far as the, the variants, that to me, it, it's always been a by-editor uh, situation because there's been plenty of comics that I've never, you know, I, I'm always at conventions signing books that I've never even seen because yeah. of these variants that I'm not familiar with. But I had a few editors who used to send me uh, all the comps. Like, uh, I know uh, with Darth Maul, I got all the variants, including oh, awesome. like, the really rare, like the ones that, you know, I don't even know what they're from. I kept them all. I keep all those just because I like to have, like, a, an archive of all my my BS comic books. But uh, but very rarely do I get the the incentive variants, though. That's uh, at least not, not for... Uh, non-creator-owned stuff. With creator-owned books, I almost always get at least a copy of all the variants, sometimes 25 copies of the variant. So, uh, But yeah, and, and yeah, Dennis is right. The real I, I don't think you're even supposed to sell them, right? Did you say that? Are you not? I don't know. I Once I heard you were not supposed to sell them, but, you know. I, I don't know. I sell... Yeah. I mean, I don't like sell them online, but I take everything to the comp, to cons to get rid of. I don't have the room in my life for that much paper. Yeah, I've got so many comps now in my uh, in my storage area here that it's ridiculous. I I was just at a convention this weekend, and I was just I basically just piled up comps on the table and gave them to people. Yeah, I sell the singles. I have a dollar box, and I just make a grab bag where people can pull out for a dollar to get people that don't have your thing, anything with them, something for you to sign. That's how I get rid of my comps at, at the local shows. I don't even take them to the bigger shows, except for the, the WWE ones I do, because, again, you lay a bunch of wrestling photos out on your table. It's a good way to get people to come over, and then I can sell the trade. Um. <clears throat> All right. Um, we have a few more questions. We'll try to get to them in a future show, uh, but we're, we're closing in on our time here. So I want Dennis to tell us his Missouri Swagger story. 
I would not tell okay, the so, story you were thinking of. I would tell a different Missouri Swagger story. I, I will tell it without making myself look as like as much of a clown as I was. But okay, so Party Cove is a spot at Lake of the Ozarks. It's a cove that everybody's aware of. And apparently at some point in a recent past, thousands of people would show up at this cove and they tie all of their boats together. It's like pontoons and ski boats and stuff. You tie them together with these buoys between them. And then it makes just a long snake or a series of long snakes of boats. And then everybody can get in the water or walk across the boats or whatever. And supposedly this is supposed to be crazy party will go on. Now, uh, this weekend was not like a super crazy weekend. It wasn't Labor Day or Memorial Day or Fourth of July. There weren't a billion people there. And we got there in pretty early, like 11 a.m. There's nobody there. So we, we pull into this area like, well, this is it. There's like three other boats visible um, and just started hanging out. And after a little while, a couple more boats showed up and this group of pontoon boats, people on it tied up next to us. And, you know, you anchor your boat, but your boat can kind of swing around on the anchor. So we got kind of close to it, like, hey, you guys want to come over? So we pull our boat up and tie up with these strangers, boat full of strangers. And it turns out to be a bunch of military police from all over the country who are in town for some sort of class at one of the nearby bases, and this is their day off. And the first thing these people have me do is shotgun a beer by straight arming it, which is where you open a beer and hold it up over your head and try to pour it into your mouth from the length of your arm. And then they started giving me apple crown royal uh, by the swig, and uh, and yeah, it it turns out that I don't know what happens at Party Cove after about one o'clock in the afternoon because I never saw, saw it fill up with boats. I'm told it filled up with boats. Um, I'm told that military police officers are very nice and will help you drive your boat out of Party Cove when it's super packed when your boyfriend is very, very inebriated and incapable of doing that. Um, and I got a nice tan for the five hours I don't remember. Um, after were any body parts drawn on your face? No, they were very nice. From what I understand, I don't, I don't remember a lot of this, but from what I understand, these people were very nice and helpful. But I mean, they also loved me. Like, for the 20 minutes that they got to know me, they thought I was fantastic. Um, you know, I'm good Missouri people. And, and yeah, somehow... Them. Somehow, my amazing girlfriend was not even particularly angry with me when I finally woke up and it was time to take the boat back. She just spent a nice, quiet day on the lake, basically alone, hoping I didn't die. That's why she wasn't angry at you, because you didn't bug her the entire day. <laughs> yeah, she got, to be, she got some peace and quiet for yeah. one day of the weekend. I like uh, that you uh, got on a boat with a bunch of 20-year-olds. They were uh, 24 at least. Who thought you were a 20-something-year-old. Good on you. That's great. But they apparently tricked you into believing that you were one of them and that you could do these straight arm beer shots and your apple crown royal and uh and function like a human being but okay good for it, you. when listen when they told me that i that they were shocked that i am in my 30s but by shocked by my age, I should have taken away from that. You are not the same age as these people and should probably not try to drink like them. Uh, that did not cross my mind. Also, uh, Crown Royal was my dad's drink. And the last time I got, I don't, I don't drink that much. I don't get super, I don't like being super drunk. Right. I don't like listening the next day. Um, and so the last time I remember being that crazy drunk was the first my dad's first birthday after he passed, I bought a bottle of Crown Royal, and another stupid person and I sat and drank it 
complete, like passing it back and forth in about 12 minutes. And the same sort of situation happened. I, yeah, I got sick and, and blacked out. Um, but it was my dad's drink. Like I have a whole set of Crown Royal glasses because my dad got so many uh, holiday boxes over the years <laughs> that have like 36 Crown Royal etched glasses. So yeah, Crown Royal is kind of my kryptonite because of that. All right, that's good to know, everyone. Send us some Crown Royal. Don't do that. That's a very Missouri story. If you want to go hang out with military police, we'll get you black hat drunk. Uh, Lake of the Ozarks. Party that cover. was a good story. I like uh, I'm, I'm glad you had a good vacation. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening. Because uh, Trey Lottie die, but don't go say that to anybody, apparently. I don't know. I don't care. Don't. It's not our fault if you do. That's um, and, uh, and I guess uh, if you like the video, you can hit the little like button. And please subscribe. I don't know where it is. It's out there. It's somewhere. You know what a like button looks like. Yeah. But, but yeah, uh, please like the video and uh, subscribe and tell us what you think in the comments. Yeah. Thanks, folks. Thanks, everybody.